Hello, and thank you very much for joining us for our Chamber Conversation. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Lauren Archer, a freelance marketing consultant, Liz Mays of The Common Room, and Di Keller from Carbon Homes. Welcome and thanks so much for coming today. Could I start with you, Liz? Could you just explain a bit about your career and your current role? Thanks, Kate. Um, yeah, so my name is Liz Mays. I'm the Chief Exec of The Common Room. Um, a lot of people won't have heard of The Common Room. It's a new charity and it was set up to um, take over and redevelop the assets of the Mining Institute in central Newcastle. So we're a heritage um, organisation. Um, we have very near the completion of what will be a nine million pound uh, regeneration project um, and um, our mission as a charity is to um, use our unique heritage to inspire the next generation of innovators and engineers um, and we'll do that through education programs through um, our collection and archive of the industrial revolution um, within our building and, and through outreach activity and we will um, uh, pay for that through operating our venue uh, for weddings, meetings and events, conferences and through our cafe bar. Um, so that's what we do now. We're a very small team um, and I've been with the organisation since uh, 2017. Um, so still feels relatively new. Um, and But my career background is not in heritage at all. This is the first kind of step into that sector. I spent the previous 20 years working for business membership organisations. So um, working for the CBI um, in their regional office. So working with the business community, obviously knew the, the chamber team. They were really close colleagues of ours. And then I moved to be regional director of um, what is now called Make UK, which is the manufacturer's trade body. Um, and I did that for three years before moving here. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a leap of faith moving over to this organisation, but it was kind of very much a kind of uh, mission-driven um, move. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, obviously, I haven't been inside a new building yet, but as I was saying earlier, I passed it a couple of days ago, and even the outside is absolutely so stunning. I'm really excited for you. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of people being a path to your door to use it for venues and all kinds of different events. It's a, it's a fantastic asset for the region. Um, can we just move over to you, Lauren, as well? I know you work in marketing. Can you explain a bit about your business and how you came to, to be in it? Sure. So uh, I've been self-employed for nearly three years. Prior to kind of setting up my own business, I worked in various sectors in marketing. So started off in local authority work in Figata Council. Uh, that was my first job from uni. And then I moved into financial services. And then I eventually found my niche, which was working in digital agencies. So um, I worked at a company called Silverbean for three years, heading up all the brand marketing and PR for them. And then I moved to VisualSoft, which is another local um, kind of tech digital company. And I was head of brand for them. And then I just decided to go alone because um, I found that during the course of my career, as you sort of work up, you end up doing less of the doing. And it's a lot of sort of managing people and just kind of being in meetings. And that for me, I was like, oh, I really want to get back to what I enjoy doing. So, yeah, um, 2018, just decided to go for it and haven't looked back. So I service a lot of digital agencies still. Uh, and that's me kind of marketing the agencies themselves. And then a lot of tech companies as well. Um, and that's sort of my sweet spot now. So, yeah, fantastic. 
oh, that's great. I worked as a freelance PR consultant for probably about 20 years. And I'm, I'm right with you. I really not having to manage anybody and just crack on with you with doing the bit of the job you love is mm. fantastic. There's lots of hidden things to be in freelance in terms of you, if you want to call it the housekeeping end. But it is really I find it really rewarding. Yeah, when I was doing it. Um, could I move to you, Di, please? Can you just explain a bit about your route to your current role? Yeah, hi there. Um, so I am the Strategic Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Lead for Carbon Homes. Um, and I think it's probably only in the past few years that I've really found what is my sweet spot um, in terms of that, because I guess when I... Um, I was at school, I, I come from a small mining village in the northeast, and I'm not even sure this role existed, let alone was known about in, in the village or the school um, that I went to. I guess ultimately through my career, it's, uh, it's always had an involvement of people um, and um, self-development, but not through a, an academic route. Um, I, I, I kind of, if there's something interests me, I want to find out more and I want to do more. Um, and started working to develop a, a women's network in one of the organisations that I was with, and it kind of grew from there. And I've discovered that this is what I really like to do. Um, so it, for me, it's ultimately it, diversity, equality and inclusion is ultimately about people. Um, and it's about trying to create um, that equality um, for people and where there is inequality and trying to, to move towards that fairness. And I've worked in various different sectors doing various different elements of this role. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm drawn back to wanting to help the Northeast be great and um, helping sort of, as I've seen my, my own children go through schooling, um, help them to believe that there's something out there for them and to be able to see the vast array of opportunities that are in careers within the Northeast so that we can retain that talent um, or encourage that talent to come back even if it ventures for further, further afield. Um, so ultimately it's just about people and I just like getting stuff done that's really good for people. <laughs> that's great, thank you. And part of the reason that we're having this podcast and enjoying your views is because we want to promote the work of our Women's Leadership Forum, which is all about doing what you've described here and like helping people develop their careers and making the region as successful as it can be. Could I start with you, Liz? Can you explain a bit about the purpose of, of the forum and why it's needed? Um, I think I think the forum is a, is a really important um, um, grouping to make sure that the issues surrounding kind of equality and diversity get fed through to all of the chambers work so that it's you know kind of can input from a policy perspective in terms of the issues that are facing the business community more broadly um, but just kind of looks at everything through that lens of making sure that it's you know serving everybody and even those people who might not be as highly represented in certain discussions and um, because I know you know from my career um, working with the business community that there is still an under underrepresentation of senior women um, and so whilst sometimes not everybody might be in favour of kind of sort of um, groups with a very specific focus actually you know it's a diverse group that you know it's not just women on the women's leadership forum because there is that broader recognition that that 
that these are issues that affect kind of society and business marketplaces consumers and um, I think it's really positive that the chamber's got this group um, and I think it's you know over the last couple of years it's morphed and changed um, alongside kind of general public perception of the importance of these issues which again is really important. Thanks very much. Lauren is that your view? Is there anything else you want to add to that? Yeah I think that's pretty spot on I mean my reasons for wanting to join the forum which I think was about two years ago now um, was that I'd sort of seen little in a kind of micro microcosm in the places that I work that there were still even in um, what would be considered as kind of I don't know what the word would be kind of um, innovative and you know like thinking ahead that kind of organization it it still was quite difficult to to have that female representation at the top it just is something that I think is we've still got a long way to go so when I got asked to join the forum that was something that I thought if I can learn from this amazing group of women and men who are actually kind of pushing for equality and and representation of women and you know all these other important causes relating to business I think I could kind of feed that in the organizations that I worked in. Um, and that was something that I was really passionate about doing. And I think there's so much, like I say, so much work to do, which is daunting and exciting. <laughs> it is, it is, it is really exciting. But I know when you say statistics to do with the number of women on PLC boards and so on, there is still such a long way to go. Um, can I move to you now, Di, um, what your view is of the forum? And also, if you could talk a little bit about the work stream that I know you're involved with to do with fairness and the economic divide in relation to the forum. Yeah, certainly. And I think, you know, echoing what both Liz and, and Lauren have said about the purpose of the forum, um, it is about creating that movement and getting stuff done. A lot of people talk about um, inequality in terms of if we look at it from from gender perspective but we're not not everyone's doing stuff um, and there's also smaller organizations that might want to to do stuff but don't have the skills or the knowledge in there and how is the forum we can support that we can support the region um, more in its knowledge and how it can adapt and, and move forward in what it would need to do in terms of um, where, there are, where there is inequality and I guess supporting those that are, are at the raw end of it all and educating those that have the power to be more inclusive through the work that we do within the, within the chamber. Um, in terms of the, the work stream that I'm involved in, um, which is around um, the, the fairness and economic divide, I think, you know, it really... It really aligns to what we, what we, how we approach things at Carbon Homes. So our, um, our strapline, if you like, our vision is providing strong foundations for life. We see through the diversity of, of our customers, um, the some of the challenges that people have, and how we have it in our gift through our not not for profit arm um, to help to support those. Um, have a stronger have a stronger start help to to, to help them towards employment um, and I think more 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 so now than ever with the the impact of the pandemic we will see that the 
the divide between fairness and, and we're, also, we're already starting to see it, I think, um, and, and that socioeconomic fairness is, is widening all the time. Um, you know, we're starting to see the impact on women, um, but we're also, if I, you know, looking back to that, that school element, some of the children that are, uh, are going through their schooling at the moment don't have access to Wi-Fi that some of us take for granted or to the technology that would enable them to access Zoom calls. Some of them don't even have food to eat every day. So where we're worried about our children perhaps joining Zoom calls or, or, or that element of it, there's actually some, some real deprivation in our area. Um, and if we don't start to look at how, as a region, we address that and how we start to um, work with the larger organisations that have it in their power to help and support this generation that is coming through the pandemic. Um, that's really what I, I want to achieve out, out of this work stream. So I think one of the, the biggest challenges that we might sort of see coming out of um, COVID and in the Northeast is where we've seen that, as we've mentioned, that women are disproportionately been affected by it. Um, and I think what's even more of a concern for me is that they've put back gender pay gap report in another six months. We already as organisations didn't have to report last year and although some did, um, I think if we keep leaving it, I think all the momentum that we've gained so far in terms of um, the initiatives and things that have come round from gender pay gap reporting, I think we're going to lose that momentum and it'll almost be like starting from scratch again. So I think we need to, as, as a Northeast encourage organisations to keep looking at the gender pay gap, um, whether it's a le legislative requirement to, um, to report it, we should take that responsibility to do that um, and, and to keep an eye on the impact that that's having, because we're, we're starting to see that, that it is starting to impact even uh, um, in this short space of time that we've had already. Thank you. Do you want to add to that, Liz? Yeah, just to say, I think, it, you know, we can't um, let the, the pressure go on some of these things. You know, this is about how it impacts on the next generation of women coming through into the workforce. And, you know, they've been they'll have been through enough with COVID. So to kind of not not let this progression continue it would would be a mistake. And I think, you know, there's some really good work going out there. And I think it's really heartening how um, proactive the business representative organisations have been in talking about diversity and talking about impact on women um, in, you know, pushing, pushing for rights, flagging, you know, childcare issues are disproportionately falling on women, all, all of these things, because they're in, in the mainstream and, um, and everybody's feeling the, the pressure of it now. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it's definitely important that the organisations like the Chamber pick up on these things and keep, keep banging the drum really. Thanks very much. I know part of the work of the forum is also about the future of the workplace and encouraging women to be in STEM. And that obviously falls under your remit, Liz. Can you explain a little bit about your view about the forum's work and that sphere? Yeah, I was just, I was nodding away as I was talking there about the things that kind of, um, yeah, you've been wanting to focus on. And a lot of that is fed into our overall organisational mission as a charity because we recognise that the kind of communities whose hard work built our fabulous, you know, grade two star listed building um, are those communities who have suffered the most from um, the industrialisation in general 
and the pandemic so and you know so we feel like our mission around supporting young people to understand what stem careers exist for them in the region is is more important than it ever was um but also recognizing that there is this gap in um gender representation in engineering in particular um and that um again it was something that I said about kind of people not doing things about it so you know people have been talking about lack of women in engineering for 30 years and you know at least the last sort of 20 years of my career but nothing has changed in terms of the numbers and and I think you know we've got to inspect quite closely how we do things and what really makes a difference and and having that awareness as an organization of how you um include people so we you know we've looked at the even some of the terminology we use so we we talk about our heritage but the reality is if you are not um from the region or not from this country saying our heritage can be exclusionary so we're looking at how we change that kind of terminology um and um so so obviously it kind of stem is, is a big passion for us um but in terms of the the question about future of the workplace it, it's an interesting one because I mean ultimately our business model is based on people coming back into the city centre and we're very mindful that that um you know that will be different but I, I'm not sure we're going to see a massive opening of floodgates for flexible working because I'm not that's not really what's happened through this pandemic it's not you know I've found you know working from home with two children here intensely stressful this isn't what I want for my working life um so I think there's there's going to be a bit of adjustment that needs to come through but certainly the feedback that we've seen from young people who are involved in our project is that there is more of an appetite to do more kind of collaborative working in um, in spaces where they can all get together but not necessarily be in an office and we think well maybe that's that's the space that we can be in um but yeah it, it, it's it's there's an element of getting quite excited about how this would have changed the, the way people approach work. But that's for those of us who are in work. And actually, there's a whole societal challenge that we're going to have to tackle in terms of um, how this pandemic has really just widened inequalities. That was very rambly. I don't think I've answered your question. But, yeah. <laughs> but there's lots of things that I'm passionate about. And you know, I think it's just trying to think, well, what can I do in my organisation to um, support these things to move through? And also kind of where your values lie and what you care about. And I, I think we have to be careful around when we're looking at the future of working organisations that when we're asking people what they want to do or what they want to be, their view at the minute is so skewed. Um, and, you know, we've all had enough <laughs> of the pandemic. So to try and talk about how we want to work going forward, sometimes you can't even think about what the next day is. So organisations are going to need to remain agile um, in terms of their approach to the future of work to enable that gender equality or that equality and fairness more broadly um, to, to keep its momentum in organisations because the way we've been working isn't a choice. So people working flexibly or at home isn't the way that they would do it had it have been a choice. 
I know, and obviously working freelance and being self-employed is something that does quite often appeal to women. In fact, that's why I did it, so I could sort of cope with childcare, because my kids are in their early 20s and flexible working just didn't exist. If I wanted it, I just had to create it myself. So um, I had two little kids and was working at home and trying to keep them quiet and letting them watch lots of Disney. Um, so in terms of business support, Lauren, can you explain how the forum is looking to campaign about that and what you think women need in terms of business support that's not there at the moment? Yeah, so when I went self-employed, the decision was very much because I wanted to work on my own terms in the way that I wanted to. Obviously, with the pandemic and just general kind of situation with some women in work, it's not always a choice. So it's kind of a situation now where we have a lot of people that um, might potentially want to go self-employed or change their work and style completely and don't really know how to go about it. So we've had discussions a lot around kind of where people go for information, um, thinking about, you know, like what, what's a starter pack for somebody who might've been in a job for a long time and maybe got made redundant, or they might've just said, actually, you know what, I fancy giving this a go on my own. There's a gap. And I think that I found that myself when I started up on my own, I managed to find a lot of information, but that's, a privileged position that I'm in that I was able to kind of I have got the technology to go and do it I've got the assets and I've you know in my job to date I've always had to kind of go out and find information and, and pull it all together so there is definitely there's a lot of people who can do that but there's also a lot of people who don't and I think we need to start pulling together to use this collective knowledge to be like right here's here's the next steps if you've been made redundant or if you're thinking about starting a business um, because obviously with the pandemic there's a lot of there's a lot of negativity but I think it also presents an opportunity for people to to kickstart something new so there are a lot of positives that I think will come out of this and one of that is probably a, a lot of people deciding to start businesses so collecting information giving the resources that they need but also on the side of that is also being able to tell to provide resources for for people to identify that maybe it's not for them. Because I think sometimes it can be a bit of a silver bullet. And it's like, oh, I'll just go freelance, but actually it might not be for you, but there might be other training opportunities or there might be other roles in the region or something else that you can do to, to change whatever it is that you're looking to change or to step into something new if that's kind of the road that you've been forced to go down. So it's really, I think it's a really good one to be involved in. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's a really good point, actually, because I would have said, from my point of view, when I worked for myself, I'm, I'm really quite self-sufficient, but there were times when it can feel quite a lonely road. So mm. it could be that being self-employed for some people is not necessarily the right thing if they really love this water cooler moment, and that's very important to them in order to enjoy, enjoy their job. Yeah, um, and even what we were saying before around the there are certain you know admin pitfalls that you have to do when you're self-employed, there's not always that awareness of it. And I think a lot of people, probably myself included in the past, like freelance is great. I just get to work in coffee shops and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that does happen. Not at the minute, obviously. But I also have to do tax returns and I have to understand VAT and I have to chase invoices and I don't always get paid on time. And, you know, there's a multitude of things that it, you have to be prepared for that. Uh, and education is the first step. Thanks very much. If we could just move a little bit wider now and talk about uh, business women within the region, do you think the position of, of female 
um, business leaders in the region is any different to the rest of the country? Are we particularly good at networking? Is there anything we could do differently? Could I start with you, Di? Yeah, so I think I think it is different in the northeast um, because of our of our geography, apart from anything else. So we cover rural right through to, to city. Um, and I do think that makes us unique in terms of that. Um, but I do also think that there are some strong networks um, and, and things such as the, the Women's Leadership Forum. And I'm also involved with Northern Power Women, which again focuses on, on, on women in the, in the Northern region and that amplifying their voices, getting that seat around the table. But I also think that within that, what, what we maybe already have because of that rural split is that we are better at reaching out to each other. So when it comes into to something like the pandemic that, we, that we're experiencing, that people already have some connections. Um, and I know just over the past sort of two or three weeks, I've just had some quite informal calls with people in my network who are self-employed, working on their own, and just want that humanized <laughs> um, connection with somebody. Um, and that to me is, you know, really demonstrated the power of, of, of networks. I think sometimes we take it for granted and networks are seen, seen as that sort of frilly thing to do, but actually it's the way that we can bring people together to empower others that maybe are struggling. And, you know, in terms of the, the work that we do in um, with the, the race commission in terms of trying to amplify equality in our businesses as well, be it female, be it from different ethnicities, we can all, we can create that support through that strong network. Um, and I, I do think the Northeast are quite good, good at that. What's your view, Liz? I know you're nodding. I'm nodding, I'm nodding. <laughs> uh, no, I, I agree. I mean, you know, my perspective on kind of whether the Northeast is different to the rest of the country is drawn from sort of working for national membership organisations. And, you know, this doesn't just relate to women, but I know in in both of my previous roles, if we ever needed a group of business people to come together to attend something, lobby on something, comment on a paper, input to a consultation, the Northeast could turn it around just like that. It was, there was a willingness and um, to collaborate, to, to move things forward. And I think, I feel like that that is unique. It wasn't, you know, other colleagues didn't have the same ease of, of access even though they were in bigger regions with bigger ne networks and I think maybe that's part of our advantage is because we are smaller it's easier to to kind of get to know people and also that people are willing to get to know new people so it's not it's not a kind of walled you know gated business community it's it's kind of open and people are interested in what other people are doing and um, and I think you know I think the region does that well and you know we've had examples in in my current role where we've ended up putting together people who work in different organisations in central London who must be really geographically close to each other but who don't know each other but they've both worked with us and we introduced them and I'm like well that's that's why the northeast is special that 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 happens and and I certainly feel in terms of the women in the region um I feel like I've been incredibly well supported th through my career whether it's through kind of who, you know the bosses I've had or the kind of board members, or through kind of people where I know someone has said, oh, you should speak to Liz about that. And you get a phone call and you're like, oh, that's not people, you know, people are helpful and they connect people. And um, yeah, there's some brilliant people here. What's your 
I totally agree. I think, uh, I don't know if it's because of our industrial past or whatever, but we're very resourceful uh, and very eager to help and collaborate. And, you know, I only speak for the Northeast, um, <laughs> but I always find that, a, you know, you could have a, an issue that you need a hand with and there's always somebody in your network or somebody in your network's network who is happy to help and to, to work on something. Yeah, I just think progress is is a big thing for our region and all hands on deck is generally the way that it goes. Absolutely. Just to wrap up the podcast, I wondered if each of you could just give me a, a simple, either three words or three short sentences of advice to women to looking to develop their careers in the Northeast, what you've found useful. If I could start with you, Di. I think um, it is about finding that network to get into um, and to get that support because, uh, you know, as, as Lauren said, we all know somebody or know somebody who knows somebody. Um, and it's finding that connection that you've got and leveraging that and don't be frightened to do it. We sometimes suffer with that imposter syndrome um, around not wanting to, to go forward. And it can be really daunting going into a network for the first time. Um, but I think that is something that the Northeast does always offer that friendly, warm welcome. What about you, Liz? I had a little think about this before, before the podcast. And I think kind of the, the three things that always stick out for me and that I still really kind of hang on to are, you know, trust yourself and your instincts. You, you know what feels right to you and what doesn't. And that, that's really important um, for kind of being authentic and you move, as you move forward in your career. Um, communicate lots and honestly I think you know my kind of perspective is that things fall down when people hide things or don't tell the truth even if things are going wrong it helps you to to say um, and the third thing is just keep learning like you never you never know anything and for me that's certainly been I mean I'm, I'm on a massive learning curve with this career and, and I've, I've learned things that I never knew even existed all that I wanted to know some of them but you know it's but it's exciting and I think that's the thing you know even if you're at the top of an organization that that you know you still need to keep adding to your knowledge that's great what about you yeah I think I mean they're all really good ones just <laughs> uh so I think my probably number one thing would be just focus on what's within your control um, I think a lot of people can kind of, and probably me included, I probably do it all the time without realising, but we can worry about, you know, oh, well, what if I don't get this? Or what if I, you know, just focus on what's in your control and do everything that you can within that. Um, working with other people is always, you know, if you can lend a hand or if somebody has a project that they're working on and they think, and they ask you for help, if it's within the grasp of your um, schedule, then try and say yes, because you really don't know what what where that's going to lead and I think a lot of the things that I've been able to enjoy doing throughout my career not just in marketing but I used to do a lot of radio stuff and I've just said yes to a lot of things and it's always worked out and I think that's as good a testimonial as I can probably give <laughs> um and thirdly I think just yeah I like to echo um what I said just build your network engage with it I think it's not about just building a, a follower um count or whatever it's actually about dialogue and you know that collaboration thing that we mentioned earlier so those would be my three 
that's brilliant thank you and thank you so much for being so honest and sharing your views of everything if anybody listening to this wants to find out more about the work of the forum and our inspiring females events there's a lot of information on the chamber website and if you follow us on twitter as well again you'll find out a whole host of information thanks very much <laughs>